It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. This is not John Barchard. This is not James Seltzer. It's BLG. Now, who the hell is that? I don't know, but he's hosting the podcast tonight, and that is me. We are on episode 167 tonight. And as always, before we get started, I want to say, you know, you can follow us on iTunes. Uh, Please rate, review, subscribe. We really love all the feedback that we get from you guys. You can check us out on Stitcher. I believe John said we're on Google Play now, too. That's that's big, right, James? Oh, my God, it's huge, BLG. And not nearly as huge as the fact that you're hosting this episode, but still pretty big. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, uh, first time. So we, we should expect some bumps in the road. No possibly. bumps. Yeah, it's going to be no flawless. Bumps. It's going to be like <laughs> the first time Carson Wentz takes the field and and you just see the, the glory and the... The, the, uh, the sun just shines down on him as he walks around <laughs> and that beautiful ginger mane is shining in the in the beautiful sunlight. I that that's the way I feel right now, BLG. Well that's very inspiring. And now I now I have to live up to that. I mean I, I don't know if I can I can handle the pressure that you have just thrown on me, but I'm gonna do my best. Uh we're gonna get into a lot here. Uh, Eagles, not a lot going on, I guess, in Eagles world. Kind of a slower time. We got some OTAs going on. We'll talk about that. Uh, some comments this week by the, the coordinators. I'll talk a little bit about Doug Peterson, uh, some off-season grade uh, talk. ESPN did a post on that, ESPN Insider. And then we're going to take your Twitter questions. I feel like we don't do that enough on this show. I'm going to try to do that more often, try to get everyone involved. So I love that, it, too. I'm with you. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big, oh, I'm a big mailbag guy, whether it's, whether it's in you know, audio form or, or written or whatever. I think it's fun. I think it feels Absolutely. interactive. So I'm with you, BLG. I think, I think that's something we should, uh, we should, uh, you know, emphasize more moving forward. Yeah. I think, I think we might do just an entire podcast one time, just questions and answers. I think that would be pretty fun. So we'll see how that goes. 
Uh, but James, we're going to start off OTA talk. Uh, very exciting, obviously. <laughs> no pads, <laughs> yes, no yes. pads. <laughs> players running around in shorts. This is crucial stuff, BLG. Yes, very, very important. So I guess uh, I'll start out with a few observations that I saw from practice this week. I was there on Tuesday. Uh, you know, uh, again, only so much to be gleaned from these practices. No, no real, you know, there's no pass rush, but for... Speaking about the defense, and Jim Schwartz even said this on Tuesday after practice. He said it was a crappy practice, and he was talking about his defense. It was sloppy, James. There were were players jumping off sides. Vinny Curry did it at least once. I think Brandon Graham, too. Uh, There were false starts, too, so the offense was sloppy. But uh, just blown coverages and everything going on. So uh, this defense has a long way to go. But I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of good players on it still. I think there's potential. One guy who, I don't know if I, I think I mentioned him last week, the Otis McKelvin. I mean, that's kind of a, it's a funny name to be bringing up at this point in the offseason because I don't even think he's on the radar for most Eagles fans. But, I mean, I think that's your starting quarterback across from Eric Rowe this week. And and funny enough, the, uh, the Eagles did not have Eric Rowe running with the ones. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot again, OTAs, but, you know, they're giving looks to Jalen Mills and, and uh, Ron Brooks, too, even on the outside. So for as much talk as there is about how, you know, Jim Schwartz loves these safeties, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod, I mean, the cornerback situation is still fluid. Uh, James, how are you feeling about the secondary right now? Yeah, I think you summed it up. Uh, uh, granted, I don't um, I haven't fallen quite as much in love with Leotis McKelvin as you have. Um, <laughs> you've made it very clear. But no, I, I, I think um I've I've been noted that I do like Eric Rowe a lot. I'm really excited to see his development in his second year. I thought we saw him make progress in his first year, especially, you know, and, and again, you know, I think we're going to talk about that Calvin Johnson game forever and ever and ever, whether he becomes the greatest cornerback we've seen on the Eagles or whether he's a bust for one way or the other, that game will keep getting brought up. But uh, I really do believe, and I'll believe it till the day I die, that he really played well in that, even that game. You know, I, I think that it was just Calvin Johnson and he was bigger and faster and stronger and it was the kid's first game out there. So I, I really, I, I think we really haven't seen anything not to like about Eric Rose. So I feel good there, and and obviously, I mean the safety tandem. Ha! Huh? I mean Brandon, you know oh. this this fan base has uh, has screamed from the mountaintops for uh, for you know safety, safety, safeties, the next Dawkins, all that, and then obviously, I think uh, we'll never see the next Dawkins. But I think that <laughs> this is you know at least heading into a season, I think you would say beyond question 100% without a doubt the best safety tandem we have seen since then at least so um it's exciting I, I, but you know i think the one thing that i want to go back to that you just talked about that really and it stood out to me when it happened and we were like you know i in my mind i'm not down there so i don't get to really see the players as much and again i don't take as you said there's not that much we can really glean from them running around in shorts and and whatever but Um, I really like that Jim Schwartz called them out and said, this is crappy and we didn't look good. Like we've, we've lacked accountability with this team for, for far too long right now. And that's been from the top down, whether it's Lori to Roseman to Chip Kelly to, Mm -hmm. to the players, there's been no accountability and to see Jim Schwartz just come in and, and in his first, you know, one of his first times talking, just be like, you know, just call his team out like that. I, I, I really, I really liked it, Brandon, and it really, 
You know, I think that Jim Schwartz, we, we all, everybody loves Jim Schwartz. Everyone came into this saying, you know, that attitude is going to be so Philadelphia. We're going to love him. And, and guess what? It's true. It was always true. And we are going to fucking love this guy, you know? Yeah, it's true. And it's funny to me because one of the good things about that line was that it was, it was not, it wasn't even a question about the defense. It was a question about uh, Carson Wentz and how uh, Jim Schwartz is kind of talking about how, he was Jim Schwartz was being asked about how you know how would you bring a rookie quarterback along because he had a, that experience in Detroit obviously with Matthew Stafford so he kind of just threw that in there he was like man you know we're talking about Carson Wentz right now but I have other things to be worried about because this defense was crappy Love it. so I think Eagles fans will will appreciate his honesty moving forward. It's terrific. It, it is very good. Um, a couple other quick notes from OTAs: uh, Jordan Hicks returned to the field in team drills. I think that's good news. You know, Eagles fans obviously want to see that. He was out last week. Uh, Cody Parkey returned too. We're going to get into a little kicker battle talk later in the show. Who doesn't love kicker talk, Brandon? Very exciting. Please keep tuning in. Obviously, you can't turn off the podcast. Don't now turn out. That. Don't turn you, out. You, you can't now that you've heard that. Uh, so little quick things like that. that. See, Brandon, that's that. That see, look, you're already doing a great job in your in your hosting job because you're you're giving them that little <laughs> nugget. Like the kicker talk is coming, but if you leave, you're gonna miss it. And obviously, Absolutely. no one's gonna leave because because kicker talk <laughs> is coming. It's true. Uh, a little more important, just a tiny bit more important than kicker talk. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to hear this. Is. Talk <laughs> just that's slightly more important than the kicker position. Uh, Talking about some Eagles quarterbacks, I still feel like it's kind of been mixed for Sam Bradford in the spring. I feel like I've seen other reporters write that he's looked sharp. A lot of people are probably going to accuse me of being biased against Sam Bradford, but really, I just I don't think he's been almost as good as he I thought he was last year. Uh, I think he's fine. I don't think uh, he's he's been terrible or anything. I would arguably say when he's at his best he's i think he's clearly the best quarterback on this team right now when he, when he is at his best but uh there were some overthrows in practice I, I he's not you know fully uh fully there yet you know what's funny james is that for the second practice in a row sam bradford started out slow and finished strong hey. who would have thought, thought that would have happened how about that well it's funny that you talk about not looking as good at last year and it, and it's just it really just sums up the whole Sam Bradford thing, doesn't it? That that we're we're talking still talking about how good he looked last preseason, <laughs> and you know, like and last training camp and the the magical throws and weaving it between two guys with you know six guys behind that, and then somehow he gets it through a hole the size of a of a pin, and and yet the football <laughs> couldn't even fit through it, and somehow it fit through, and it was right on the guy's hands and you know and we don't we don't hear that you know anymore but it's it's quite funny that how that uh that will that will always be sam bradford's high watermark it's philadelphia eagle brandon absolutely and then moving on to the other quarterbacks you know i think chase daniel has looked exactly how you would expect chase daniel to look solid uh nothing too great he, you know what's funny is he's not really afraid to to throw it down the field i just think that's funny because he's a smaller guy you would think maybe he doesn't have the best arm uh, he doesn't have some amazing arm, but he's really not shy to throw down the field. Maybe that's because, you know, he spends a lot of time on the bench and he, he's making the most of his practice, practice reps and everything like that. But I think he's pretty much looked like exactly what you would expect at this point. You know, nothing too overwhelmingly awesome, but just solid. And then getting to Carson Wentz, number three. Uh, 
the rookie, it's weird because, you know, I've watched two practices now. So obviously I've seen everything that I need to see and I can make definitive conclusions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brandon, Brandon, <laughs> just remember before you say here, what you say here is fact moving yes. forward. This is, this is the final, this is the final verdict on Carson Wentz. So you better be right. So you better be ready for disappointment, oh, Eagles no! fans, because he's it's thrown all out. some. Let's just let's just uh, give up the next ten years. It's all it's, it's all over. It's all really. over. He's he's thrown some wobbly passes. No, it's just funny because it's almost. I don't know if he's just kind of taking it easy in warmups, and because he it's funny because he'll throw some some passes that are wobbly. I think it's more of and Jimmy Kemsky pointed this out. It's uh, kind of the ball change, you know, moving from the college football, which is a little bit different. It's not the same size and shape exactly in the laces and everything. It's not the same setup as the NFL football. So I think he's still kind of adjusting there. Uh, he did make the throw of the practice, I will say. You know, there was this really good pass he had uh, along the sideline. Chris Givens, who, by the way, looks pretty good in practice. Hey. Now, 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 again, no pads. So I think this is a guy who's benefiting from, you know, no real press or no real contact yeah, with the line of yeah. scrimmage. He, if, if Chris Givens was not looking good without pads <laughs> on, then we were really screwed with that one. But honestly, just having a guy who can actually kind of go deep like that, maybe yeah. something the Eagles really didn't have last year. Uh, they wanted Nelson Aguilar to be that guy. And speaking of Aguilar, again, he's looked good this spring, but it's funny, James, because he also looked good last spring. And then, yes. and then the 2015 season happened. And he, I do think that injury good. derailed him a bit, though. And, a bit, yeah. Yes. Especially he, the way that, that, and I know he talked about it this way, but also the way Chip Kelly like handled and dealt with injuries. It really felt like... In his mind, if you got an injury, you were set back and that like almost mm. perception became reality in the way he brought them along in terms of reps or this or that or whatever. Like, I don't know. It almost felt like Chip Kelly was a staunch believer that an injury really set you back. And then that kind of right. just, uh, you know, uh, manifested within the actual player itself. Did you, is that crazy? No, I don't think it is. And I think that's always kind of why we got the perception that Chip Kelly didn't like Michael Kendricks even because like Michael Kendricks, there was always the, the back in 2014, there was like, he was, people thought he was going to be back sooner than he was going to be right, back. Yeah, or, of course. And so people thought, you know, he didn't like players who didn't play through injury too as much. So I think there was some kind of some weirdness going on. And speaking of the contrast of, of Chip Kelly Moving now to to Doug Peterson, you know, one of the the biggest differences I've noticed in these practices that you actually can take away is that, you know, Doug Peterson is way more hands on with these players than Chip Kelly was now. Well, he he does say he likes to put his hands on them. We know this. He he, he literally said that about Carson Wentz. This is lying, man. He always like we've got it as a drop at the station. I like putting my hands on him. Yep. And. Again, I don't know how much that matters, but I, I've talked to some players over the course of the past couple of seasons that kind of had said that, you know, in the past, especially with the defensive backs that, you know, before Corey Unlin came in, they weren't there wasn't that big emphasis on technique. And it was more about, you know, chip running tempo and trying to get as many reps as you can in practice. And then, you know, the point of that was, again, chip trying to maximize practice and chip feeling like you can go back to the, the film room because you have, you know, more time there and you can kind of correct those mistakes later. But I think, you know, some players uh, prefer the new approach where, you know, you make a mistake. Doug Peterson's going to break it down right away and tell the player what they did wrong and, and try to fix it from there. 
James, do you think that kind of matters? This I know we're again, it's silly. This is May, and this is what we're talking about at this point. But do you think uh, a more personal experience from coach to players matters at all? Who the fuck knows? Uh, you know, I, I think you know <laughs> maybe yeah. Look, in in theory, just you know, you know when you, I think I think any personal relationship is better than non personal. In, in any type of team building or any type of work setting even, I think if you can form a personal relationship with someone and really, you know, get to know them and get to know who they are and all that, I, I don't think that can ever be a bad thing. Um, is it the be-all, end-all? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, if if you have that but you can't coach, you know, strategically or or you can't understand the other facets of of you know, the game or, or, you know, schematics or whatever it is, who knows? I'm just saying like, I don't know if it, look, I, yes, I, I, if I have to choose between Chip Kelly's antisocial, <laughs> you know, I hate people and I don't want ever have to talk to anybody uh, approach to coaching or Doug Peterson's, you know, feeling up his players approach. I'll take the, the Peterson approach, but um, you know, I just, I don't know if it's a huge deal or not. And speaking of Doug Peterson, uh, I, I ran a, Doug Peterson confidence poll today. How confident are you in Doug Peterson? And let's look at some of the early results. We have 46% yes. Wow. Which isn't, That's, is that high for you? Yeah. We have 16% no, and then we have 37% unsure. What? I would, so, wow. So, that is, so that is a lot of that, optimism. Give me your reaction. That is a so lot of so optimism. So you think it's optimistic? I mean, I would have guessed it'd be like, are you, I mean, what, what, how, why would, I mean, what has he done to have confidence in? Like, I, I just don't, I have, I mean, could he be good? Sure. But like, why would you be confident in him now? What has he done other than be like incredibly awkward in press conferences and like, like that's it. Right. Right. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, my confidence, if it were me, I would have absolutely answered no there. And I mean, he can certainly earn my confidence. I'm not saying that, sure. I'm just saying as of right now, I, I, I don't see how you could answer that. I mean, I guess unsure is a fine answer there. I think I'm mm-hmm. I'm somewhat unsure. I lean more towards no just the way I interpret the question, but unsure is a fine answer for me, but I don't I certainly don't know how you could could confidently feel confident in him right now if I can be, get a little redundant with it there. And it is interesting the media thing. I think some people don't care. I don't think it matters obviously if he is a good coach and everything, but Yeah, yeah, is, exactly. Of course. It is weird in the sense that, you know, uh in a sense, the media, you know, is an extension of the fans in some way. You know, the media is how some fans access the team in, in some form. Now, I, I think some people might not agree with that, but, you know, I, I, you know, that's how information gets out. And when you're seeing the head coach be like that, I mean, that's how the fans are seeing. That's how they're accessing him. They're seeing him in that press conference setting. And it's just kind of a little weird, especially when you have guys like, you know, Frank Reich, who hasn't been a head coach, but, you know, I think he's, he's pretty savvy when you, you talk to the media, at least uh, most for the most part. We're going to get into that right now about how Frank Reich said this week on the radio in an interview that, you know, uh, when asked if Sam Bradford is the number one quarterback, he said something to the effect of, no, probably not. When asked if there's a, a true competition. Now, this is, mind you, this is one week after Doug Peterson literally said, you know, Bradford is my guy. He is the number one quarterback. James, do you think this is a, a contradiction? And before I even let you answer that, 
also, Jim Schwartz said something about when he was asked, as I mentioned earlier in the show, about bringing Matthew Stafford along and things like that. Uh, Jim Schwartz, who took the question about offense, I heard our favorite 97.5 host, Mikey Miss, say that Jim Schwartz shouldn't have even answered that question and shouldn't have been even talking about the offense. Uh, so said, don't predetermine the results of the race when referencing competition. So... What do you make of those comments, James? Do you think this is a a contradiction from uh, Peterson's coordinators to him? And and what's going on here? I I actually agree with Mike here. I think that, and I again, I just talked about how much I like Jim Schwartz. I think you stay in your lane there. I I think that, you know, um, we compare football to war a lot. And it's obviously a a very crude comparison. But just in terms of, you know, the metaphors and the, you know, going to battle and, you know all that kind of stuff. And, and if you kind of look at it in that sense of like, you know, the, the coach is the general, right. Or if you know, the quarterbacks on the field, the general, but the head coach is the general. And it's like, you know, by by going out and saying that kind of stuff out of turn, especially if a defensive coach, but anyone kind of refuting what that coach is putting out there is like a break in ranks, if you know what I mean. And it, and it just feels like the kind of thing where there's zero upside to it. Like what, 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 what are you trying to do there? Like what, what good could come out of you say, I don't know. After like, you just had this whole (laughs) massive public, you know, ugly situation where Sam, your quarterback is holding out and then he comes back and the coach and the general manager and everyone try to make it very clear that this guy has the job that we are bringing him back. Sam is wanted here doing everything they can to kind of push this thing away. And then these two guys come out and just like kind of refute all their higher, like, I don't know. It felt weird to me. And I don't like, like, I want to see my, my coaching staff, whether, whether I, I have confidence in them or not, and again, I do have a lot of confidence in Schwartz, obviously, just as a coach, but I want to see I want to see uniformity. I want to see all of them on the same page. I want to see them, you know, if it's totally fine if Jim Schwartz says, you know, wants to go to Peterson and say, Doug, you know, you got and even and who knows what what the real case is, but if they if Doug was if the what Doug is saying is true and Bradford is the guy, like. If Schwartz wants to go and be like, hey, man, like, I think we need to really open it up. It's only right or whatever. That's fine. Don't say it to the friggin' media. Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? It just it felt sloppy to me. You know, the whole thing felt sloppy to me. And it felt just, you know, get, get everyone in line, get everyone on the same page and figure out what message you want to get out there. It does. And it almost seems like maybe Doug Peterson is like touting the company line, whereas Frank Reich is really saying what's really going on. And there there isn't really a true number one, maybe in that sense. Now, with that said, you know, I think we all expect Bradford to, to win still the quarterback job. I think, you know, uh, again, when he's at his best, I think, he you know, he looks the best of these quarterbacks. But, you know, Chase Daniels making a lot of money. I mean, he's right there. I, I'm just saying I don't I don't think it's likely. I'm just saying I don't think it's impossible if that Sam Bradford doesn't look good this summer, especially if he doesn't look as good as amazingly as he was last summer. Uh, I don't think it's impossible that someone else could win the starting job. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I think the way you, you kind of phrase it, I think it's more likely to be Chase Daniel than Carson Wentz. Yes. So, But no, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Jeff Mosher, who... Obviously, a, a contributor to this podcast comes on with us uh, 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 usually weekly. Um, and then uh, also said uh, on the Fanatic that um, 
that he thinks Chase Daniel is going to start the most games of any quarterback on the roster this season. And, and mm-hmm. I can totally see how that could play, you know, and, and he's definitely Doug's guy. He, they're paying him $7 million a year, which is, yeah. which is a hefty price. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick might not make that to start for the jets, you know, eventually. So, um, I, you know, it's kind of a, uh, um, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Joe. I, I, if I, you know, if I had to, to bet my life, I would bet on Bradford being the opening day starter, but yes. you know, if it was not, uh, him, I, I certainly wouldn't be shocked if it was Chase Daniel. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And transitioning, we're talking about these, some of these off season additions like Chase Daniel and Carson Wentz and, and the re-signing of Sam Bradford. So, so now we're going to look into what ESPN had to say about the Eagles offseason. James, ESPN graded all 32 teams, uh, a panel of Bill Polian, uh, Louis Riddick, former Eagle scout, Mark Dominic, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager, and our good friend of the show and the podcast, Field Yates. Hey, so, my so, guy. So, Love yeah, Field. so a good crew there of, of different experts and people from ESPN. James, the ESPN gave the Eagles a B for their offseason, and they talked a lot about the quarterback situation. We just talked about that, so we don't need to get into that. They talked about how you know the running back depth is light and about how uh, kind of took maybe many too many risks at the end of this, the, the draft there with players with character concerns and things like that. But, James, how do you think overall for this offseason the Eagles did? If you had to give them a grade, what would you give them and why? I I agree with the reasoning. I went C+. Plus, um, but but here's the thing, and it's a cop-out, but at the same time, and, and again, obviously, I think giving grades for an offseason immediately following the offseason <laughs> is obviously a little silly anyway. But um, How dare you? I, right? Yeah. I, I Sorry. I killed the bit while we're doing it. You never want to – people are going to tune out now, and they're not going to hear the kicker <laughs> talking. It's, it's, it's going to be all my fault. Um, but I do think, Brandon, that um, – that it really is an A or an F, right? Like, I mean, like this whole off season mm-hmm. and, and I think you look at the free agent moves and, and it's hard to argue with, with really any of them. I think they're all fine. I don't really chase yep. Daniels, the only one and the way it's kind of played out, who knows, he could end up starting the most games and who knows. Um, but, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, it really comes down to Carson Wentz, man. Like, mm. and, and again, the whole draft grade comes down to it. The offseason grade comes down to it. The, the, the future of the franchise comes down to it. And if he's a stud, it's an A. And if he's not, it's an F. And if not, it's somewhere in between. I think if you take Carson Wentz out of the equation, which kind of kills the draft, so it's hard to, to do. But I think everything else, the B is a really, really solid kind of kind of grade there. Um, but they definitely certainly, you know, as pointed out, there's still some – some things they didn't address, but I, uh, you know, it, it's hard to do. I think they're really in that, in that middle range and it could be either great or, or awful one way or the other. So you're giving them a C for Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, I'm giving them a, a, a an undecided. I'm giving, no James, I'm, I'm kidding. Like C as in that's the letter that Carson's name. See, that's, that's Starts where this yeah, one, one of the rare times where text would have worked better than actually talking. <laughs> Who saw that guy? Uh, I'm right there with you again. We're, we're this is a boring show, James. So we're just agreeing all the time. <laughs> hey so we're, man, we're have to, great minds. You can't argue. It's not you know. So, people will love it because it's it's still uh, you know. Now I'm I'm lying. It's going to be terrible, Brandon. <laughs> we're just going to go. We're going to just have to take really opposite sides on that kicker battle that we're going to be talking about later in the show. So you definitely don't want to turn it off because it's going to be good. It's going to be the now, most intense kicker argument uh, in the history of arguments about kickers. It's it's gonna be that. it's gonna be the Adam Vinatieri of kicker arguments. <laughs> that's that's a really good comparison. Thank you, sir. 
But um, again, yeah, I'm with the B. I think uh, free agency was fine. I thought they did a good job of filling holes at, at reasonable prices. I think the draft, obviously, we again, boring, but we all say comes down to Carson Wentz. But even the later picks, you know, I feel like I buy Howie Roseman's explanation that they felt like they had to take risk on late-round guys because they don't have, you know, they're missing the second-round pick and the fourth-round pick and things like that. So they're trying to get guys who have that kind of talent, like a, like a Jalen Mills or someone like that. Uh, and taking the risk on that. Because even if those guys don't work out and the character concerns prove to be you know, a big problem, then you cut them and you're cutting a seventh-round pick and it's really not that big of a risk or big of a deal anyway. So uh, I think that's a solid strategy. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw this, James, the Eagles spent more money than any other team by a significant amount, I think by like yeah, 200000 or so. Yeah, the UFDAs, right? Yeah, so again, that's the same kind of thinking there where they're trying to really just invest because they didn't have those draft picks. So I think that's a good idea. They're trying. They're they're obviously sensing that you know they don't have some of these resources, so we have to compensate for that. At least you know if if they don't turn out, that's another thing. But at least they're trying to address that. One of the underrated things of the offseason, I feel like, would be the Joe Douglas hire. You know, I think that's he's he's serving under Howie Roseman, and we have our our skepticism about Howie Roseman, and, and deservedly so. But I think you know getting a guy like that in there. Uh, I think that's at least an interesting dynamic moving forward. So overall, you know, a solid offseason. It really comes all down to Carson Wentz, obviously, moving forward. But it's the thing is you can't address every position and, and every need in one offseason. You can't. You just, you're not going to do that, especially when uh, you have a team like the Eagles that had so many. So for them to address the most important one, which was, to me, quarterback and should always be quarterback, especially when you don't have a long-term future, I think, you know, uh, the Eagles did just about solid there. So, again, the B is solid. But speaking of solid, this is the best part of the show. We're going to get into the question and answers right now. You sent the questions in. Uh, we have them right here from Twitter. James, I don't think we can wait any longer. I think we have to get into the kicker battle yeah. right now. This is from at Hit'em 20 that's H-I-T-E-M-20, James. Mm, tasty. Every, is, is everyone the, uh, is talking about quarterbacks, but yes, it is. Mm, tasty. I like that. But let's, let's talk kickers. Two exclamation points. Who's it going to be Sturgis, Caleb Sturgis, or Cody Parkey? I, Brandon, I mean, I, I cede the floor to you. The, uh, I, I, I reserve the right to respond to yours and take whoever you're not going to go with so that we can actually argue over I'm going to say, you know, this might be not popular, so I think that's going to tip my answer here. I think it might be Caleb Sturgis. Are you out of your mind? I think it might be. That is outrageous, Brandon. Cody Parkey had one of the best seasons in the history of Eagles kickers two years ago, Brandon. How could you not care about this kid? He's only 22. He's worked (laughs) hard to come back and to be the kicker that we all thought he was and could be, and he's going to kick us all the way to the Super Bowl, Brandon. <laughs> He's going to kick his way right back into our hearts. That would be the hope, I think, for many Eagles fans. I think a lot of Eagles fans want to see Cody Parkey win, but I feel like Caleb Sturgis was solid at the end of the year. Now, look, I am not. When when the Eagles signed Caleb Sturgis, I thought that was the wrong move. I think, you know, he, he missed a couple of kicks in his, his first couple of games. I, I thought they should have signed someone else still. But I think he was he was more solid to end the season. And James, Cody Parkey's been shaky in practice, and he's coming off that injury. I just I just don't know. Brandon, you've convinced me. 
<laughs> I think I think it's gonna be Gaylord's there. Does I, I, yeah, it was I, I I was feeling the passion and and your your argument was so reasonable and well thought out that I I really have nothing else to say. That's that's fair. So, <laughs> so now that you've heard this question, everyone's obviously gonna turn off the podcast. But if you are still listening, yeah, we still have um, a, a good fun one coming up from our man Ryan Jones. Oh yeah, so very good at the end. One. But Brandon, here let me let me throw a uh, another one at you here because. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one. We were just talking about Wentz. Uh, this one's from uh, at Dat Martinez fam. Uh, and is uh, what rookie has the most impact this season, not including mm. Wentz? I like this one. That's a good one because I think most people would think Isaac Sumalo, but I'm not so sure he's going to be the starter. I mean, we've we've heard Doug Peterson commit to Alan Barbray for some reason. I know Jeff Stallin loves Alan Barbray. He was he was talking him up last offseason. Uh and another thing here is Sumalo is missing pretty much all of these these voluntary workouts because of the the silly Oregon state or the Pac-12 graduation quarter system thing where he he can't participate in these practices. So, I think he's kind of at a disadvantage there. I'm not so sure he's going to win the job. Oh, it's tough. We're not including Wentz. Sulamalo's after that. I'm thinking it might be Jalen Mills. It might be Jalen Mills. That is a strong call. I could absolutely see him coming in and being like a nickel type guy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've got it. This is not my answer, but I, an interesting uh, one, because I think he would still be considered a rookie, would be to throw Ja'Cory Shepard in the mix as well. Oh, that's a creative um, one. Thank you, sir. But, but I actually think it's going to be Wendell Smallwood. I think uh, oh, yes. I think they just have such a need there. I think he's uh, you know at least going to be a little bit more dynamic um, than than any other option there, and I think he'll work his way into some playing time. and And from everything, I, again, I'm not down there, but from what I've heard, he's he's pretty adept at catching the ball. He seems to be pretty yes. pretty solid in that department. So um, you know this this type of offense, as we saw with with Jamal Charles and Trakantrick West and all those guys, if it's some amalgamation of that type of thing, uh, or even back when Andy was here with Westbrook and, and whatnot, you know, um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in this offense for a, for a running back and catch the ball. And, and I think that there's a need for that, obviously, because Ryan Matthews, as we know, I, I like him as a runner, if he could stay healthy, but he does not have the best hands in the world. So I, I would go Wendell Smallwood uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, he can keep it together. We're going to stick with some running back talk, kind of, and take a question from our friend at Ted NS. That is T-E-D-N-N-E-S. Is it realistic to think Josh Huff gets cut? I'm going to start with there. There's there's two questions here. And, man, I was watching Josh Huff in practice this week, and after after watching him in last <laughs> practice. You texted the text chain, Brandon. I, I did, and I was like, I just, I just don't think he's good. And that's a shame because I, I've always been a Josh Huff guy. I really liked him coming out of college and I'm not a big college football guy, but whenever I would watch Oregon because I watched, you know, Oregon because of chip and trying to learn more about him when the Eagles hired him, I I would always see Josh Huff pop up on tape. Even when I wasn't even trying to watch him, he would just pop up. And that just has not been the case in the NFL. He's not been consistent. I just don't think it's going to happen for him. I just, for whatever reason, I just don't get the sense. He's, there's been some drops. I just don't think it's there for him. Do I think he gets cut? Oh, man, I, I don't because who else do the Eagles have a kick returner, really? I think that's kind of the only thing saving him at this point. Uh, James, where are you and Josh Huff? Yeah, I think he stinks. I'm with you. I, I, I think that, uh, look, we've seen some some explosiveness from him at times, but I think he's one of those guys where they're few and far between, and, and he's just not consistent whatsoever, and I just – 
he's a chip guy. I just don't see, I don't know. Look, I don't think they're going to cut him. I, I do think that he'll make the team, but I, uh, I think that, and he can contribute on special teams, I suppose. I just don't, mm-hmm. I just don't think that he's going to be anything special and, and certainly not a, a third round steal or anything. No, I think I think Chris Gibbons and Ruben Randall can easily, realistically, get ahead of him. On oh the yeah, chart. yeah, I think so too. I agree. I think you're looking at at him being the the fifth or sixth if they ca- carries. You know, he's definitely in the in the fifth six. You know, fight. How the mighty have fallen. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Can you ever be called mighty when you're Joshua? <laughs> Moving on to the second part of the question: Is it realistic that Kenyon Barner leads the Eagles in carries? What do you say? James? I would say no. I mean, like, I guess injuries, whatever, this or that, but no, not really. It's not. Realistic. I don't know how this running back rotation is going to work out. You have you have Ryan Matthews. He's not going to be able to stay healthy. It's just, he's not. It's almost a guarantee that he's going to get hurt at some point based on at least how his career has played out to this point. Uh, I think he's talented when he is healthy. But I just don't think he can last the season. You have Smallwood. I don't think he's really a full-time player at this point. I think his pass protection isn't good enough to really to have him as an every-down back and to rely on him. Although the Eagles do like him a lot from what I understand, and they, they obviously like his pass-catching ability too. It's weird, James. You know, I, There's been some some very low-key Kenyon Barner hype coming from our good friend, Dave Spadaro, of course, from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He said, he said, Spuds has said, Barner's put on some weight. You can take that for what it's worth and everything. But also, I saw Frank Reich. I saw this somewhere, I believe on Reddit, that Frank Reich was at some kind of event. And he, he said, on his own, he kind of just brought up that Kenyon Barner has impressed the coaching staff. So maybe he doesn't quite lead the team in carries, but you know I think he could be sticking around on the roster at least. Yeah, I think no, I, I think there's a very very good chance he makes the team, especially with the dearth of quality running backs on the roster. But I, I just don't think it's realistic for him to lead the the team in carries. All right, where are we going next, James? What questions coming up next? All right, uh, how about this one, Brandon? Um, and this one could go a lot of ways. So uh, this one's from uh, at Daniel Richwine. And it's best case, worst case <laughs> for the 2016 season. So I think this is kind of fun. I'll lead it off, Brandon. I'll go. Mm-hmm. I'll go best case, worst case. Uh, I honestly believe that the best case, the best, the best case scenario for this team. And I know there are people who think that you know Bradford can conceivably become the Bradford that we've always hoped and everyone hoped he would be, and all that. And then this defense can be Jim Schwartz led and dominant on. This this team will not not win more than 11 games. They probably won't win 10. But I think a best 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 case is 11 and 5 and wow. maybe 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 a playoff win. I think more likely a realistic best case scenario is 10 and 6 and they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe a win a home game cuz you win the division, but this team is not going to the NFC Championship game. Like that's not even a best no. case. It's not even a best case scenario. Like it's not that they that's not even in the in the the realm of possibility. I, and and worst case, again, I think they're much closer to worst case, worst case than the best case I just put out mm-hmm. there. I mean, they could be a top five worst team in the league. They really could. You know, I, when you look at at Bradford, this Daniel, let's say let's say Bradford gets hurt or wh- whatever happens, or you know, he he cries because he has to compete and and he get you know his his tears you know cause him to to slip and he he breaks his arm. <laughs> whatever happens, um, a Chase Daniel led team here with. With, you know, yeah, the defense could be good, but, like, one injury, like, Fletcher Cox get hurt or whatever. This, like, this team could be really bad. I don't think it'll happen, but 
you know, it, they, they could be a top five worst team in the league, especially going back to the confidence in Doug Peterson question, going back to the fact that this guy could be the worst coach on the planet. We have no fucking idea. Like, he could be atrocious. You know, he could lose them two games on his own. We don't know. So um, the worst case is pretty low, and, and the best case isn't that high. But, but you know, could they maybe, 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 maybe win the division and, and sneak out a playoff game at home? Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with the division thing. I, I don't think the division is that great still. I mean, everyone wants to, some for some reason, crown the Cowboys, even though they won only, what, four games last year? And now yep. they're suddenly the favorite. I mean, I know Tony Romo, they're getting him back. They're getting Dez back. But, I mean, Tony Romo is still injury prone. Not, who knows if they can count on him the whole season. Uh, even if even with those guys gone, there just wasn't a lot of other great talent on that team. They're missing uh, Greg Hardy, who obviously not a great presence in the locker room, but one of their more talented pass rushers, and and now the pass rushers, the the best ones that they do have, uh, suspended and for the first four games of this season. So I mean, they don't have a pass rush. Uh, Washington, Washington, oh boy, Washington, they didn't beat a team with a winning record all last year. Kirk Cousins has, has never beaten a team with a winning record. You like that. Uh, and then no, well, lastly, in that case, I would say you probably don't like that if you're a Washington fan. We like that. We like that. <laughs> you don't like that. Um, Giants, eh, since when do we see teams? We've watched the Eagles spend money in free agency a lot, and it just we've seen it not work too well. I don't think the Giants suddenly spending all of this money in free agency is going to just fix all of the issues that team has had. And they still have Spags, who's been a terrible defensive coordinator. He's overseen some of the worst defenses in NFL history in recent years. I just don't think this division is all that great, I think. But with that said, I don't think the Eagles are all that great either, James. So my realistic best case, I would say, is 8-8. Eight and eight. I think that's me being optimistic. I think... The schedule, you know, there's there's some tough stretches there, so I don't think this is an easy schedule by any means. But I think worst case, I think you're looking at four and twelve. Uh, you know, people are going to talk about how, oh, you know, that's going to be bad because the Eagles don't have the first round pick, and, and you're not wrong. <laughs> but you know, if Carson Wentz obviously turns out to be well enough, although we might not know that depending on how the season goes, uh, at least your second round pick will be high. That's the only thing at that point that you're. Hoping for, which is kind of sad, but I think we're looking in between the four and eight win range. Oh, happy day, Brandon. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to take one more? Yeah, game Brandon. Or? I think we have to get to the one we teased before, which um, yes. I mean, you know, when when you do these types of things, you you know, it, it's it's all fun and games, but when you get the hard hitting questions, you, you really got to answer them, Brandon, because you know you can't just sidestep them. It's not. It's not right. It's our job to answer these hard-hitting questions, Brandon. So so our, our, one of our faves, at Ryan Jones, or excuse me, at Ryan underscore Jones, uh, sends in uh, this, this hard-hitting question, as he said. Um, if the Eagles had a round-robin tournament of that game where you try to knock off the opposing person with those giant Q-tip things, who would win and why? And, and just to, to expound on that, he's, he's talking about that American Gladiator style, you know, where they're on the two platforms and they've got like the, you know, as he said, the big Q-tip type things on both sides and they're hitting each other and trying to knock the other off the platform. This, the, uh, Brandon, I, I as soon as we got this question, which it was four hours ago, according to our Twitter timeline, I have spent nothing else 
Nothing. I've thought about nothing for the last four hours, but this Brandon, it has consumed all of my thought, all of my everything. It's, it's, it's been my whole world. So, um, it's, it's just a great question, Brandon. How do you see a round robin tournament like this playing out? It's, it's just, it's so fun to think about. I have to go with Jason Peters. Jason Peters has taken this thing home. He is, you're not even going to want to step up to face him. Jason Peters is that scary of a human being when you see him in person. He's just so massive, and, and people have so much respect for him, his teammates and everything. I just I think some players wouldn't even step up to face him just because they would just be so fear. They would just have so much fear in them of what could happen with Jason Peters swinging something at them. Uh, Brandon, it's a really, really great answer. I, I totally see the reasoning. It's a you know, it, it, just a beast of a man. Uh, unfortunately, you're incorrect. It is the it oh. is the wrong answer. It was a good guess. Uh, Jason Peters actually goes down in the semifinals. Uh, he's going to swing, and his back gives out, and he just falls oh. on the ground like in that Redskins game. And he was just laying still on the ground, um, and he oh. just gets pushed off, and that that's. That's how he goes down. It was an unceremonious uh, uh, way to lose. Um, but um, he, he did lose valiantly and, and fought hard and, and was the favorite. So um, you, you were on the right track, Brandon. Um, Fletcher Cox was also one of the favorites. Did do well, but um, wasn't able to take home the crown. Um, Connor Barwin, another uh, 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 really strong performance, mm-hmm. uh, uh, made it very far as well. The low center of gravity, you know, the, the athleticism. But um, it really came down to just, you know, being dirty, as it were, and just being a, a street fighter, or shall I say, a bayou fighter. Because Ooh. Benny Logan took it home without yes. even thinking. You know, he, he, he just, it's like wrestling an alligator. This was nothing to him. He was like, he, while he was swinging the Q-tip around, just for fun, he was imagining he was swinging the alligator around <laughs> to do it. And, uh, you know, just the way, you know, that low center of gravity as well and stocky and just so sturdy as he, as he can, you know, play nose tackle it at whatever, you know, 200 whatever pounds that, that no one else has ever done. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't think it's fair. I think it's one of those things that was fixed from the beginning because Benny Logan was just, just should have been the outright favorite and, and just did just dominated the competition. Benny Logan is awesome. I, I, I think he's a player on the Eagles who does not get enough credit for how good he is. Not maybe 315. So more so I, I underrated his weight, excuse me, but still playing nose tackle yes. at 315 is pretty impressive. Yes, but around the league, you know, that's a, that's a really underrated guy. And, and another thing that goes unseen is how much charity work that guy does. That guy is is always out doing great things. So big shout out to Benny Logan. And that's a great way to yeah, end Yeah, real games. quick, though, I just one last highlight from that competition that did play out and was and was really fun to watch. Um, It was just sad. Sam Bradford forfeited the first match because he said he refused Aww. to compete. He just didn't want to compete. <laughs> so. Those jokes are never going never to end. Never going to get and rightfully, old. And rightfully I, every so. Every time they're good. And I was even not that, that I was pretty, you know, I didn't really hate on Bradford as much just because I, I get, you know, I, I get if you're in that situation, it probably sucks to be that guy. But at the same time, uh, uh, those jokes are great and I will never stop telling them. It is the low-hanging fruit that we are not above. No, that's what we do here, Brendan. You know. <laughs> so I think that just about does it. James, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up episode 167? Brandon, I don't think I could top my my whole uh, thing I just did there with the whole Me American Gladiator tournament. So I think I'm just going to shut up and, and walk out. That, that's pretty good. So <laughs> this has been BGN Radio episode number 167. Again, we, we thank you for listening. We, we'd appreciate it if you like uh, rate, review, subscribe. I don't think you can like things on iTunes. Why did I say that? Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on Stitcher. Check us out on Google Play. Check us out on anything you can listen to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is Brandon Lee Gowton. 
James Seltzer, the great James Seltzer. Great job, uh, Austin BLG. You killed it. You killed it. BGN Radio 167. We'll see you next time. Benny Logan. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours.